Welcome back once again to P3, the PFOS Pulse podcast, coming from you this time on the road in our Greenville, South Carolina office. Folks, if you don't already know about it, the PFOS Pulse podcast is a companion piece to HRP's subscription service of the same name, the PFOS Pulse, an aggregator of all things related to PFOS, the latest news and the most important articles, everything you need to know. You can subscribe to it by going to hrpassociates.com slash PFOS. And what is the occasion for this On the Road podcast? Well, it has been one year since the release of EPA's PFOS Strategic Roadmap. Now, this document was essential and important in laying out the future of PFOS regulation. Coming to you today to revisit how it's been rolled out, updates that have happened since then, progress that's been made, uh, what's happened in the intervening year, and maybe talk a little bit about what's going to come in the future and some of the major announcements that have happened. I'm joined here today by HRP's environmental practice leader, Tom Darby. Tom, thanks for being with us today. Thanks, Tom, and welcome to South Carolina. Good to be here. Um... Yeah, so today we want to talk a little bit, uh, as, as Tom mentioned in the intro, looking at uh, EPA's uh, PFOS roadmap. You know, they laid out a three-year plan uh, starting in October of 2021, and the, the plan itself uh, was released on October 18th, so just a, a little more than a year ago. Uh, a lot's happened. Uh, if you follow the pulse, you've had updates, you've seen a lot of stuff coming from EPA on, on regulations, on um, a lot of different aspects uh, in the environmental industry. So we kind of want to talk through some of those and really look at, um, you know, what they've accomplished, what is left to do the remainder of 2022, and then, you know, what's the kind of the next big dominoes to fall. EPA's approach uh, was centered around multiple principles, one of them considering the life cycle of PFOS. So looking at it from the point of generation to the the end use of the receptor, um, you know, getting upstream of the problem, holding polluters accountable, ensuring science-based decision-making and prioritize protection of disadvantaged communities. It's really a holistic approach that covers uh, a lot of different aspects of the industry. So they also broke the, the roadmap down by looking at, you know, research-related um, topics. So invest in research, development, innovation, um, looking at restricting, so the proactive, the regulation side of things, and then um, the remediation side of things. So how do we clean up what's already impacting the, the soil and groundwater and air? And, you know, and I think that really ties back to to the environmental justice. There's a lot of that around PFOS, disadvantaged communities, water systems. So, you know, really a holistic approach of of looking at the problem. So, Tom, in the roadmap, what were the key action items for each of the offices within the EPA? Yeah. So under the Office of Chemical Safety and Pollution Prevention, uh, one of the first big milestones they listed was to publish the National PFOS Testing Strategy. And this was designed to deepen the understanding of the impacts of PFOS um, and potential exposures and how things are entering the environment where they're at. That was scheduled for the fall of 2021. 
and it was completed in October 2021. So that was already in the works prior mm-hmm. to developing the roadmap and was really one of the first things to, to come out once the, the roadmap was released. Uh, under the Office of Chemical Safety and Pollution Prevention, there's also a lot of, of milestones related to um, the review process for TSCA, uh, the TRI reporting, that part of it, that's all handled by that office and EPA. Most of those action items are considered ongoing. You know, that's going to be a continual process where they're reviewing information. As new information is available, they're updating updating those elements of the regulation, the reporting. Did have in the, in the roadmap that they were expecting in the spring of 2022 for enhanced PFAS reporting under, under the Toxics Release Inventory, or TRI. Last month's Pulse podcast dealt with TRI reporting, uh, kind of an update of where things are at. So Jackie Baxley has her, no pun intended, finger on the pulse yeah. of, of uh, that. I mean, that is the intended pun of the name. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> so related to that, there's nothing concrete released at this time. Still a lot of speculation, uh, as Jackie alluded to in the in the previous podcast. So on that one, you know, seems to be the schedule's not matching up, but there's definitely work being done there. So what's going on over at the Office of Water? So this is the one I follow the the closest with my my practice. Mm. Um, That's within your purview. Yeah, as we say, within my purview, um, because I think this deals. Like I said, mostly with water. The big one uh, that came out early, uh, after about a year ago, um, after the roadmap was released, was the undertaking of the monitoring for PFAS in drinking water. So the the UCMR five was launched. That is a program to look at public water supplies and look at PFAS in in those water supplies. So that was published in December of 2021. It significantly expanded on the previous number of drinking water systems participating in the program. So the total right now, the estimated total from EPA is that 10,311 water systems will be included in UCMR 5. Uh, And for those of you that aren't familiar with it, UCMR stands for Unregulated Contaminant Monitoring Rule. So they're looking for stuff in drinking water that doesn't currently have a drinking water standard. Um, So UCMR5 is going to include a total of 29 PFAS compounds and lithium. So lithium's kind of the the footnote when you look at the you look at the list, but yeah. it's definitely focused on on PFOS. Um, the work- that's the 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 toy and the happy meal of, of PFOS regulation. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah. I got lithium in this one. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we got lithium. So that work, the the sampling will start in 2023 and is anticipated to go into 2025. It's a it's a pretty robust program. I think the goal is to do a third of them each year. Um, there is a tremendous amount of QAQC associated with that data. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we talked to Stephen Somerville from Pace yep. on a previous podcast, you know, mentioned that we're looking at new lab methods, but this will still use the the previously established drinking water methods. So it's um, that's why it's twenty nine compounds instead of the forty that are 
are we're currently looking at on some of the the newer methods. But that's that's a, a big one that will help EPA gather data to look at potential future um, compounds to evaluate and uh, potentially regulate. In the Office of Water, too, the other big one that that came out was the establishing health advisories for Gen X and PFBS and updating the health advisories for PFOA and PFOS. So the updated PFOA number went to 0.004 part per trillion or four parts per quadrillion, which was a crazy low number. Like that's... Yes, I remember that. Yeah. That that number shocked a lot of people. Wasn't this below the ability of most of testing methods to actually detect? Uh, It's a couple orders of magnitude below what the current labs will will test. So Mm -hmm. it's, you know... It's there as a health advisory. I think one of the dioxin compounds um, has a, a number that gets down to that level. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, it's a health advisory versus a, you know, a standard. So yeah. there's there's a, a difference there. But that was a really low number and a, a big update from where we were at. But without the official standards, that's all you really have to go on, right? Is that level? Yeah. I mean, basically what that's saying is any... Any PFOS detected is going, or any PFOA detected is going to exceed that health advisory level. Mm-hmm. the The previous health advisory level was combined PFOA PFOS of seventy parts per trillion. So that that gives you an idea of how far that number went down. Mm. PFOS dropped again. It, it was point zero two part per trillion or twenty part per quadrillion. So not as low as PFOA, but still, I believe, below laboratory detection limits. And then for Gen X, uh, they established the lifetime uh, health advisory level of 10 part per trillion and the PFBS number at 2,000 part per trillion or two part per billion. The, the important thing in the way it's worded, the Gen X and the PFBS is established as a final and the PFOA and PFOS is established as an interim updated health advisory level. So I'm not sure in the regulatory world what that significance is. I just noted the difference between Mm -hmm. how they presented Gen X and PFBS versus PFOA and um, PFOS. So it's, it's something to watch. I mean, at the end of the day, they are not promulgated standards. They're health advisory levels. But that gives you, you know, some reference on the numbers. Yeah. Um, under the Office of Water as well, they published the um, draft method sixteen thirty three for the lab. So again, we yep. we talked a lot on the the podcast with Stephen Somerville from Pace mm-hmm. about the details of that method, and and it's a forty compound method. It's going to give us uh, a lot more compounds in a, um, a, a standard list because the problem we have now when you talk PFOS every state wants a different list this will kind of standardize what we're, we're getting from the labs it's also providing a method for media other than drinking water because the the methods that were developed were drinking water methods so this is appropriate for all media 
outside of, of drinking water. Mm-hmm. That was scheduled um, originally for the fall of 2022. We know that the uh, multi-lab validation is ongoing. Um, I think the estimate is that's going to finish up sometime in November and then move to the regulatory process to make that official. So that's still 2023 before it, it gets finalized. But, you know, there's a lot of work going into that right now. What else are they looking at in terms of like technology? Because I know that the, was it the new drinking water method was one of the things that we saw on the roadmap. Yeah. So that's listed for um, fall of 2024. So, you know, they're, they're developing the new 1633, like we just talked about. I think as the, the lab methods continue to evolve, new compounds uh, get standards and, and we can test for them. The drinking water method will be updated. I know from discussions with folks at PACE, um, it's definitely a lot harder from a regulatory perspective to update a drinking water method. Uh, versus some of the other methods for solid waste. So I think that time frame makes sense in the next two years by the fall of 2024. But that will go with the, as the methods continue to evolve, they'll, they'll pick a standard and go with it. The other thing that is handled by the Office of Water, the risk assessment for PFOA and PFOS and biosolids. We've seen a lot of individual states regulating biosolids. Just here in South Carolina this week, South Carolina DHEC has stated that they're going to uh, stop all new land application permits for biosolids. So it has the wastewater treatment plants scrambling a little bit with they can't get rid of their biosolids Uh, for land application. So what are they going to do? Um, in the Northeast, I know that's been a huge topic in Maine and some of the other uh, states up there. They've had all kinds of problems with biosolids. What I found interesting, and I guess I missed this part of it when the roadmap was released, the risk assessment for the biosolids for PFOA and PFOS is expected to be finalized in the fall of 2024. So still, you know, that's a current hot button topic uh, around PFOS. So I was kind of surprised to see the, the deadline for that out, you know, two years from now. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot that goes into the risk assessments and, um, and I'm sure it'll be heavily scrutinized mm-hmm. <laughs> regardless of, of what the, the results are. Yeah. But that was a, an interesting one that looking back on this, that seemed to catch me a little off guard. Mm. Now, Tom, would it be fair to say that the biggest developments we've seen thus far are in the Office of Land and Emergency Management? Uh, I think that would be fair to say. Uh, they they definitely have have fired the the biggest missile. <laughs> um, yeah. So the the Office of Land and Emergency Management it was responsible for the designation of PFOA and PFOS as circular hazardous substances. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was released back in late August, and everybody has been tracking that. The proposed rule hit the Federal Register on September 6th and has a 60-day public comment period. So that ends November 7th. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I checked the Federal Register. So, and as of October 27th, uh, the, the day we're recording this podcast, uh, Tom, take a guess how many comments that they have received. Um, it's got to be near a thousand. What were some of the other guesses that people had in the office? I've heard 600. Yeah. I've heard 900. Um, everybody's in that kind of that same range. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the actual number is 26,684. <laughs> wow. Um, I, I pity the person at EPA or the team of people at EPA that, that has to wade through the comments uh, and, and respond to them. I did look at, you can actually go on and click on the Federal Register and look at the comments. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of comments of, can we extend the public Yeah, the let's public get more period. comments in. Yeah. You know, of those, I have no idea how many of them are substantial comments that are going to take a lot of mm-hmm. effort to respond to versus other ones asking for more time. Yeah. But that speaks to the magnitude of what that release or what that proposed rule does. And the notoriety that PFAS has gained. Yeah. Okay, so it's a big number. But, Tom, how do public comments and the volume of them actually affect or potentially affect the process of turning these uh, proposed rules and regs into reality? That's a really good question on this one. And and I don't don't know what to expect with this because I think this is something that... I feel like it's something that's going to go through regardless of comments, mm-hmm. but I know there's there's precedent for just recently, um, you know, EPA released the ASTM 1527-21, the updated due diligence standard. It went to public comment and came out of public comment and they ended up scrapping it. So mm-hmm. there was enough pushback on the from the due diligence side of things that it didn't go through. I I don't know. I mean, that's I'd like to get a lawyer to chime in on that because uh-huh. I think it's for this that volume of comments. There have got to be some really well thought out technical arguments to be made in the comments. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm not sure, but you know we we saw that recently. That was earlier this year. That uh, ASTM standard got pulled. It's interesting times for sure. Definitely. Uh, so, Tom, what are our last two offices? What's going on with them? So, the Office of Research and Development, uh, I mean, they're, it's research and development. Mm-hmm. Everything's ongoing. Uh, they're, they're looking for new ways to detection methods to validate new testing. Uh, there's definitely looking into remediation technologies, you know, thinking back to kind of the overview of the roadmap. Remediation is, is one of the things. A lot of that is is ongoing. It'll be stuff that comes out, best practices, new technologies. So, you know, not a not a lot there that we've seen reported. I'm yeah. sure it's behind the scenes and getting integrated into other programs as applicable. Mm-hmm. But then the Office of Air and Radiation, I think, is the, the next, I'm going to say the next big domino to drop. The deadline that was set was the fall of 2022, and they're... Their task is to build a foundation for looking at PFAS in air. Mm-hmm. That's something we know airborne deposition exists. We know out of the stacks, there's there's PFAS present in the air. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen it worldwide. Uh, even you know they have it in the ice sheets in Antarctica. So we know it's getting in the air. Yeah. 
It's definitely a, a method that's really difficult to test for. It's low levels and, you know, and there's a lot of problems with it that we've heard from the labs. Mm-hmm. It's a very expensive test, but it's something that I think we're going to see come up that people are going to have to start thinking about more. Um, and, and the Office of Air and Radiation, that's their, what they're tasked with. Mm-hmm. So nothing has come out on that, but... You know, I look at back at the roadmap and see that expected fall of 2022 as we set in the fall of 2022 and wonder, you know, what what will be coming out soon there. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, looking back on this, it was it was really interesting to to see where we started this time last year Mm -hmm. and and where we're at now. Um, There's been a lot of work and a lot of of focus on PFOS and, and it's kind of interesting to see. You, know, you almost feel like, feel like it's science in motion here, you yeah. know, where they publish a study, that study informs something else. So I think, you know, their directive of being, you know, driven by science, um, it's, it's definitely interesting to watch it all unfold. For sure. Well, Tom, thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of the PFOS Pulse podcast. As always, if you are not already subscribed to the PFOS Pulse, HRP's aggregate service for all things PFOS, go to hrpassociates.com slash PFOS and subscribe today for all your essential PFOS news. Subscribe to this podcast, rate us five stars. We'll keep you informed as well. Tom, thanks once again. Thank you. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, folks. Bye.